I'm Piers Linney and welcome to Rethinking Business, a new podcast brought to you by NatWest. Let's face it, the path to business success is rarely straightforward. That's why in this series, we're hearing from businesses who are thinking differently, disrupting industries, turning obstacles into advantages and bouncing back when things inevitably don't go to plan. In this episode, I'm joined by a founder whose business has used tech to disrupt the dentistry industry. Dr. Alok Shukla and his wife Lucy's company, Straight Teeth Direct, use sophisticated technology to make teeth straightening available over the internet without the need for hefty costs and those monthly appointments. Their revolutionary app connects customers with online orthodontists, enabling them to reduce costs by up to 70% and offering them a dream smile in just five to nine months. Alok, it's brilliant to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for inviting me, Piers. Now, you've been helping Brits get a confident smile, just like yours, actually, (laughs) for a decade now. So tell me a bit about how the company started and how it's evolved, because uh, it's a really interesting story of how you've moved from the traditional way of doing things, you've rethought business into a new way of doing things. Sure. So originally... I always liked science, and I started studying medicine at university. But I also didn't know the word entrepreneur, but I I was wanting to have more control over my destiny. So I discovered it was possible to switch into dentistry, so I did that. And I've always looked at things a little bit different. So when I started studying dentistry, I thought cosmetics is quite exciting. It's nice to deal with people that actually want to improve their smile. But I found that a lot of dentistry that's cosmetic is quite invasive and it requires cutting things down which we didn't want to do so i started looking into non-invasive smile enhancement and came across invisible aligners orthodontics and new techniques where you could get straight teeth in about six months normal time is around two years so i was quite excited by that so i spent a lot of time studying and, and learning much much more about techniques and also like i thought let's open up our own practice focused on this so I opened a practice in 2009 in, in London, actually supported by NatWest, and that was fully focused on cosmetic teeth straightening. So from that, people could get like straight teeth within six months. And we started doing online marketing, offering e-consultations, and we started noticing that more and more people were inquiring and showing interest in our solution from not just London, but all over the UK and even abroad. And as more and more people inquired, we started to realise there's so many people that want a nice smile, but with a trusted, affordable solution. So as we grew the practice massively, we kept thinking, how can we help more people? So we started a marketing company to help dentists um, do the same systems that we did. But even then, we saw that there was a massive demand. And I saw that the cost of 3D printing was coming down around 2014 and Babylon Health and other telemedicine apps were coming up. And I thought, OK, we could vertically integrate and we could provide like a cost effective, high quality solution directly from home. So what we did was we sold the business and then we reinvested to set up Straight Teeth Direct in 2015. And from there, it's been evolution and growing from there. So let's just go back to the beginnings because it's quite an interesting story how you evolved from there. So you were a dentist and you set up your practice and I guess you had waiting rooms, people coming in, sitting in reception, reading magazines. And you just sort of realised that actually I'm going to try and reach out, do things differently in terms of marketing. You then realise you can vertically integrate the business. And of course, you know, I'm involved in 3D printed uh, businesses too, companies that use that. And you realise that there's a new way of doing this, is that you've been rethinking business is a new way that I can actually deliver um, probably a better service to these customers. And your mantra has always been prevention is better than cure, isn't it? Yeah. Because a lot, a lot of dentists, they think, you know, I walk in there, they see me, they see my expensive treatment in the back of my mouth and I think they think, right, okay. <laughs> and off they go. Yeah. And unfortunately, in some 
some practices like the business model in dentistry tends to be selling procedures, but it doesn't have to be that way. We, we always thought like if you helped people get what they actually want and do it in a cost effective way, you can expand the market and more people can access things. So we focused on like how we could use technology to lower costs. Generally, technology in, in medicine and dentistry increases costs because it's like an extra laser or an extra scanner, which you have to charge for. So we thought by if you look at all the steps in the value chain and the customer journey and you think what can be digitized, how can you organize it or rethink it to have a different cost structure, you can then also take out frictions from the whole experience while reducing costs at the same time. So what was the, the light bulb moment then? So I can see you kind of thought, well, hang on a minute, these customers want these treatments, they're all over the world, they can't clearly come into my clinic. And you you sold the, the old business, and I guess you use that capital to go forward with the new business, the new, the new model. But what was the moment? I guess you, you knew about 3D printing. But were you really, did you really understand how you could utilize that? Or did you have to go and do the I, research? I, I, I always keep a track of like different technologies to see what is current state of the art. And I started to see that the cost of the 3D printers was coming down from 100,000 to much less. And I was actually giving a seminar for a group of dentists one time. And I was explaining to them the importance of them um, increasing their engagement online. And I said to them at one point, I said, if Invisalign could sell on Amazon, do you really think that they would be as interested in physical clinics. And I started thinking about that more. And I thought, okay, this is quite an interesting solution. And Invisalign, this is one of the competition, I guess. Invisalign's a massive company. So they sell through clinics. So they tend to sell um, through clinics and they sell for around $1,500 basically to the dentist who then has to sell it to the customer directly. So that's an interesting point. So the typically, if you do it the traditional way, the treatment costs what? 3,000 to 5,000. And you're delivering a solution for? 1,350. Right, okay. And that's even, and even then, the cost of your, the way you, 3D printing, for example, is still going down. So your margins are they increasing or you're yeah, and we reinvesting can inve- that? Absolutely. So we can reinvest that to develop better aligners because platform technology for aligners hasn't actually changed that much. But there's things you can do with material science or even with design functions so that you could wear them and they're more comfortable, move teeth more effectively and get guaranteed results, basically. So for those listening, um, when you're trying to do something in, in, in a new, innovative way, there's two sides to that coin. One is um, there's lots of obstacles and barriers and difficulties trying to get it right. And yours is a question. It's, it's physical, 3D printed, but it's about software, isn't it, to make sure that works. On the other side of the coin, you've got maybe the old way of doing it, you know, snapping your heels, telling you that that's not how things should happen. So how have you found trying to disrupt a, a pretty well-established industry? Sure. So I, I don't think of it as disruption. I think of it as expansion. So if we think about things top down or bottom up, rather, 77% of people have crooked teeth, okay? About 50% would like to improve their smile. You have less than a quarter of a percent of people getting their teeth straightened. There's obviously a massive gap of people that want something. Just the problem is, is that they don't feel that it deserves 3,000 to 5,000 plus monthly appointments. So the simple question is, these are people that are just not going to access and choose to buy that solution. How could you redesign a solution which would fit into some of those people? So it's not about taking business away from existing clinics. They'll always be very... But do they see it like that? Maybe some people do. But that is a question of abundance mindset versus scarcity mindset. So what you're saying essentially is you're increasing the size of the market. Not only is it becoming more affordable to people, it means that more people can just be bothered to do that in terms of the time and effort it takes to you know, go, take appointments and turn up for these things. So you're increasing the size of the market for yourself or your, your industry as a whole? Yeah, for the industry as a whole. So like there's around 
12 million treatments in clinic per year, for example, but there's around 300 million adults that want a nicer smile. And this is excluding Brazil, Russia, India, China. So you start looking at Asia, and you look at like the young population, the um, massive popularity of mobile devices, and you can start to see that everyone's watching YouTube, everyone's on Instagram, everyone's a nice smile. It, there's just a harmonization of beauty standards globally. So everyone wants to look and feel good. Well, what you're doing, again, as we talked about it earlier, sort of blue ocean thinking, is you're creating competitive advantage, whereas if the competition doesn't, you know, at least try and keep up with you, they're going to have a problem because you're way ahead of the curve. There's always smart people everywhere. And I think I agree with you. Like, we have to think and say what ultimately delivers value to the customer. What does the person actually care about? The ideal solution for them would be they would click a button and they would have their nice smile immediately. That's not possible. So what's the next best solution to that? And then if you think, okay, anything which is not adding value, how can you eliminate that cost? And how can you eliminate delays in time? Then you can start to design a whole um, supply chain and solution, which can be very appealing for customers and make it challenging for people with old cost structures to keep up. And what was the biggest hurdle you came across? Or have you yet to come across it? Or are you dealing with it now? There's new hurdles all the time, but it's just different challenges because when things have not been done before, for example, we wanted to put together a, um, a insurance policy which would cover all the digital dentist work on our platform, medical devices, everything shipping globally. And I, it took me nine months to get that put together because initially when I was having conversations with um, complex insurance providers, they were saying, what are you going to trying to do? And no one's ever done this before. And I don't think this is possible. So step by step, you, you work out all the different elements and you just go for it. Because the way I look at it is five years from now, this is obvious. It's just not obvious right now. And just on that point, so just describe the process now and then describe how you think it might look in terms of how you deliver services or how the way in which you peer inside somebody's mouth remotely in, you know, two, three, four years. Sure. So at the moment, you start with an e-consultation. So for free, you can download our app or do it through the website, straightteethdirect.com, and you submit some photographs, answer some questions, and you find out if you are clinically suitable to get your teeth straightened. Um, it's reviewed by an, a dentist, and you can ask any questions you want. That's free. So if you're not suitable, you can't buy anything. If you are suitable, you can buy an impression pack called a Smilebox, which is sent to your home, and that's £42, and then you take your impressions, you send photos through the apps, you're guided, they then come back and they're 3D scanned and you have a personalised simulation generated for you and a full um, orthodontic report. So you can then look at th that through your app. You can see exactly how your teeth will move, how long it will take. It's all fully guaranteed. You can ask any questions and then you can order. And then your first two months of aligners are 3D printed and sent to you. And then each month you get percentage progress updates and your new aligners are sent. So that's currently now. In the future, we see that like mobile technology is increasing all the time. You've got the iPhone X, you have 3D facial depth scanning available from that. In the future, you'll be able to do 3D scanning remotely from a mobile. At the same time, also 3D printing is becoming decentralized. I don't see why you couldn't have a way similar to glasses. You can pop into a high street, get your eyes checked, pop up back in an hour and pick up your contact lenses or pick up your glasses. I can see something like this in the future. You could have some vending machines or, or distribution points where you would then have your digital prescription done at one point or maybe through your phone. And then you go and pick up your liner somewhere else. This is all about expansion. You think about how many people want to have a nice smile and how could you make that accessible to as many people as possible. So I think there's limitless potential. But you move beyond smile, don't you? You move into general dental healthcare, I suppose. And, you know, trying to prevent gum disease, for example. Yeah, absolutely. So we're focused on direct consumer oral health and smile beauty. We've been talking about smile beauty, but oral health is a massive thing because most of dental problems, most dental diseases are actually preventable. And it's quite 
bad for people that they have to wait until they have painful symptoms and then they try and get it fixed and it's quite expensive. So what you can actually move from is a reactive model to a predictive model. So again, if you've got your data from your mobile phone through photographs or different information, you can track how your teeth are wearing and how the gums are progressing. You could potentially get personalized recommendations at home. And there's some very interesting things we're working on in this space. So we're, we're quite excited. So do you see yourself in the future becoming almost somebody's personalised dentist. So they put some device in their mouth that 3D scans it in a moment and they keep that device and do it every couple of months. And therefore you're, you're then basically suggesting what they should be doing to prevent gum disease, for example. We, yes, we do see ourselves as like being the platform for oral health and smile beauty and helping people, empowering them to look after their smile and dental health as a cost effectively and, and preventively as possible, basically, yes. So it sounds like things have been, you know, skyrocketing. How's that? How's, how have you found that in terms of the managing that growth and working capital? And I guess at some point you may need to raise, you know, a reasonably large round to really take on the world. Yeah. So it's 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 challenging, but it's exciting at the same time. And um, we're hiring new team members all the time. Like yesterday, we were um, excited about a new person maybe joining us. And it's really exciting when you get more people that are aligned with your values. So it's important to be really clear on your values and your mission. So there's lots of challenges and it's exciting but absolutely yes you need to keep really laser focused and make sure that you're not outgrowing your capital requirements and you're managing everything in a, in a clever way basically. So in terms of funding how have you funded the business because it sounds as if you've you, you obviously sold the older business and you've used some of that capital but I guess that given what you're trying to do and the investment required especially now we'll talk about software perhaps is you're probably gonna need quite a lot of cash and I'm assuming that the business isn't generating it fast enough to support the growth you're well, to support your ambitions. So what's the plan there? So yes, at the beginning, we used our own capital to grow the business. And we started until last year in September. We I think we were in about 35 countries already. And then we raised some a small investment round for some angels. And we've been growing since then. But the way we look at things is there's two things to focus on. There's the opportunity today and there's the business of tomorrow. The business of tomorrow requires capital investment for technology, software, these sorts of things. The business of today requires investment in marketing, operations, and all these different elements. So we're marrying those two elements together, and we're really in discussion now with different investors that are aligned with our vision, that can see the potential for how many people want to have a nice smile and the market opportunity for that. So at the moment, we're in, in discussion with uh, many different people about that. So you've got a core business where you've you've got that product market fit. It's now about scaling it up, basically. And exactly. Clearly, you can invest in technology, but you've now got through that business huge amount of insight into where you can take it, what else you can do. Yeah, and, and even without the AI and everything, that business by itself, there's huge potential within there. But I'm always thinking like two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, because that time will come. But the question is, did we prepare for that time, basically? So that's why we're in parallel always working on what we will need for tomorrow. And let's talk about software. So your business is becoming, you know, it's a physical, it's 3D printed. But the way in which you take somebody's teeth and you present back to them, perhaps, or in your systems, what their teeth should look like, that's software driven, isn't it? So how are you using technology and AI, for example, to, to do that? So how are you leveraging it? Absolutely. So once you digitize something, so you take you sense into a photograph or a 3D model, you're able to manipulate that at literally any speed and you can transmit that over any distance at virtually no cost. So the objective is always in business, I always think, is like, how can you digitize everything? And how can you also eliminate human subjectivity and make things objective? So for example, 
with computer vision, there's so many algorithms available now. For example, self-driving cars, they're trying to recognize what is a paper bag or what might be a rock or something like this. So there's many different complex algorithms that have already been written in many different areas. And what I do is I keep a track of like what is happening in different areas of state of the art. And I'm always thinking, how can we apply that within our field, basically? But essentially, you could scan your own teeth somehow, whatever device you use, a phone or some other device that you actually put into your mouth. And then very quickly, you could send back to somebody a representation, a Absolutely. pretty good one, a 3D representation of what they're going to look like in five to nine months when their teeth are in the shape they want them to be. No, absolutely. And we're already working on these technologies to make it easier for people to understand because ultimately people don't care about technology. They care about results and they care about themselves. So the question is, how can you just understand what the user, the customer wants and how can you use technology to ensure you can enable a friction-free experience for them? I get asked by lots of entrepreneurs, you know, what business should I start? What tech company should I start? What app should I build? And I say to them, you know, what you need to do is find a problem and a solution to it. And what you've said, and I completely agree, is if you can digitize that, it makes it more scalable. Um, and that's something a lot of entrepreneurs forget. And I like what Jeff Bezos said. Is He said, focus on what won't change. Like, for example, people will always want low prices. They'll always want fast delivery. They'll always want the most efficient way to get something they can. So but if you understand that and use digitization to achieve that, you're going to be on track. Describe to me the, the evolution of the business where, you know, you were, this didn't happen overnight. These stories, when you're listening to these podcasts, people think, wow, he's done that in the last 18 months. And that's not the case, is it? You spent, you know, you've studied and you've spent many years, maybe talk how many years, learning your trade. No, absolutely. From the age of 23, when I qualified until the age of 30, when I set up my clinic, I was just going on every single course like all over the world to learn as much as I possibly could and, and educate myself. And I thought, if I become the most knowledgeable I possibly can, then I'm going to be empowered to be able to offer good solutions to the patients. And then from that point, when we opened the, the practice, yes, it was quite futuristic. We had TVs on the ceiling, we had spa beds, and we had a 3D facial scanner, for example, in the consultation room. But you start to understand step by step what questions people ask how they respond to things, when they can see visuals of what something may look like in 2D versus 3D, how do they respond to that? All these things step by step, you start to understand what person's concerns, doubts, hopes and, and goals are really. And, and you start to integrate that step by step and think, OK, is there a better way to solve this? Now, as often the case in any new industry that's been disrupted, you have a period, if you look at kind of innovation curves where they overlap, and this is what you're doing to the, the sort of traditional sector, really, you get a, a period of FUD, fear, uncertainty and doubt. And you've come up against that, haven't you? You've come up against the, the traditionalists, if you want to call it that, having a pop at you, and you personally in some cases, to try and muddy those waters. And this is, this is the, like the Luddites in many ways. It, it never works, yet it doesn't stop them from trying it. So just talk me through what happened there. Sure. So there'll always be people that will be feel threatened by new ideas. And if we think about what we're actually trying to do, many, many people have a condition and they're looking for a solution, but they can't afford it. So if you're trying to help more people access better care, um, which they couldn't afford otherwise, surely that would be the goal of any you know physician or dentist. But some people feel that their business is threatened, but it's not because there's lots of patients and customers for everybody, basically. And yes, you, you may see some people that are threatened by that. But the way we look at it is if, if we have opposition, we know that we're onto something. And at the same time, as long as you're delivering a very high quality ethical product, I don't see the, the point or the, or the problem. Do you see yourself offering a, a B2B solution? So there'll be many dentists or people in your sector that you know they're never going to make the investment you've made, haven't got the vision, maybe that the 
the back end of their career, perhaps. And do you see yourself offering a B2B, a, a white label solution? Actually, dentists earn very good incomes working on our platform. So the way it works is we're a technology platform and the dentists that um, work on our platform, they earn very good money working from their laptop without having to go to a clinic. So we have many people that, for example, would like to spend more time with their children and uh, maybe they can't travel as far to their clinic and they're able to earn a good income. So we're... We are for dentists. We're just providing technology to empower them to help them reach people they couldn't otherwise reach. This podcast is about it's about obstacles as well. It's about we can sit here and talk about how exciting it is to build your business and perhaps enjoying the exponential growth. But we all know it's not easy. And there are days where you wake up and you think, how am I going to get through today? So perhaps you could share some of those with people listening about, you know, maybe the early days transitioning from that traditional business to the new one and even today now where you're struggling with how you implement and leverage AI? Unfortunately, yes, there are always obstacles and it tends to be in one of two categories, either something you hadn't planned for or some person trying to cause you problems, basically. And I think step by step, all you can do is just maintain a clear head, just really think, think about things objectively and think, OK, what am I actually trying to achieve here? And 12 months from now, will this be significant or not? And how can I approach that? So we always try and do things in a kind of logical way. But yeah, step by step, absolutely. And you know, hindsight is a great thing. But if you're looking back now on the last it's a decade now, isn't it almost a point more, what would you do differently? Is there a couple of things where you think, I wish I knew what I knew now, then I would have done that quite differently? I think I would have been bolder at the beginning, but also that the world was a very different place 10 years ago or 15 years ago that you know the mobile technologies weren't there but i think i think yeah being bolder in what you want to do is always a good thing and once you decide you're going to do something just go just go full for that thing so being bold can typically involve more risk which can sometimes involve more capital depends where you are in your sort of your life cycle um, so would you suggest that everybody is just bold or they have to approach that quite carefully because you know, I always say it's Donald Rumsfeld, isn't it? It's the, the known knowns, the unknown no, no, knowns, no, no, yeah. and the unknown unknowns. And it's the, un, it's the unknown unknowns that make you an entrepreneur. When I say being bold, I mean being really clear in what you really want. Like we always have choices in life where you could go this path or you could go another path. And sometimes you don't actually cut off another avenue and you're, you're kind of fudging along in both, both paths. If you just really commit, like I'll give an example. Within the practice that I had, we saw that the cosmetic teeth straightening was growing massively. And for about a year and a half, I thought about, should we really focus on that exclusively? And then we create a sub-brand called I Love Straight Teeth and everything. And I should have done that realistically a year and a half earlier because we already saw that was happening. So sometimes just committing and just taking action doesn't have to involve a lot of capital, but just requires you just to be honest about what you really want and just be prepared to put in the work for it. So what you're saying is, is that if it's crystal clear to you that the world's moving in a certain direction, there's a mega trend, for example, and you've got a particular skill set or an insight, a, a secret, uh, you know, to solve a particular problem, then just get on with it, go for it. Yeah, either decide to go for it or never think about it again. <laughs> that's, that's a good way of looking at it. So you've been on a journey and here you are, but there's a lot more to do. But today, what are you most proud of in terms of what you've achieved along the way? I think I'm most proud of our team. I really enjoy working with all the different people and I really enjoy seeing the excitement when they can see the growth potential for their own roles and also for the company. And this is only possible through a team. And it's just it's just great to work with people that you like working with. I think that's what success is, basically. Spending your day how you want to spend it with people you want to spend it with. And have you found growing a team, you're 30-odd people now? And that can be... 
you know, that growth of a team and managing people, it can take you away from doing the stuff you really enjoy doing. How have you found that transition? It's challenging. And also our team is a remote team. It's distributed across three countries. So it's challenging, but then it's also interesting and exciting. So you have to spend time with people one-on-one. Some things, there are no shortcuts. I remember reading somewhere, you can't pull a rose out of a seed. You have to take time with people and build relationships. People will make mistakes, but if there's a high trust environment, and at the same time, you know that people are doing their best, then you can look at it as an investment in their growth. But then you have to be really clear on your values about who you want to be part of your team and who isn't going to be a fit. So absolutely, it's challenging. And where do you see the business being in, let's say, five years out? Five years' time, we'd like to be the most trusted global platform for oral health and smile beauty, just helping everybody get a smile that they want and get on with their life, basically. Simple as that. Your co-founder is your wife. Now, how's that worked and how's that relationship involved and where do you see yourselves in the future? Yes. So with Lucy, we co-founded the business, but this is our third business together. And genuinely, she's the smartest person running this for that role of anyone that I know. And the way I look at it is like you have to make sure that your life goals are aligned. So before business, you've got to think about where do you want to be in life? What do you want to do? Who do you want to spend time with? Where do you want to be? And we always wanted to be able to see as much of the world as possible. And the business is nice, but our goal is to really help impact in many different ways. And there's many different projects we want to be involved with afterwards. And so it's a question of if we understand where we want to be together, then the question is, okay, what business vehicle will enable us to do that? And at the same time, hopefully create value in a positive way for the world, you know. So step by step, I think if you've got everything aligned, it just makes things a lot easier. At the moment, we travel a lot. So, for example, we're in Brussels, then London, then, for example, we're in Germany next week. And I think if you were doing that by yourself and your other partner was, say, for example, at home or somewhere else, and they're not growing at the same rate that you're growing and not seeing the things at the same rate that you're seeing things, I think you'd lose something and then it wouldn't be as good. So for me, I'm very happy and very fortunate that we get to experience everything together and there's so many different adventures. Do you have any more advice for entrepreneurs that are listening that are inspired by your journey? Sure. First of all, I'm inspired myself by reading many different books. And so I'd recommend everybody to start looking at different different books and solutions. And I can recommend, for example, two. One book, which is brilliant, is called Blue Ocean Strategy. And there's like a, a new updated version. And that's all about how to think beyond your current market space and how to design solutions which could be for new customers and new opportunities. That book alone can help you really think about different opportunities. Another brilliant book is called Exponential Organizations. That's one of the best books I've ever read. And in that book, it's talking about how EXOs or exponential organizations outperform normal companies by a factor of 10 or 100. And it gives lots of very concrete examples. And it also has a structured framework inside there where you can actually measure your business against all of those different elements. So I like practical things. So I think those two are very, very good books. And then there's the classics like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People just to work on yourself. Because if you can't develop yourself, you can't have any impact on anything around you. One thing you mentioned is what I think is really interesting is that if your business was completely automated and digitized, then it's for the next person to come along with better software and disrupt you. Whereas in healthcare and all health and telemedicine generally, you still think there needs to be a touch point with a human being. Somebody wants to be given some confidence in a process and the, the person doing whatever they're doing or consulting with you knows what they're doing. And in a way that helps you build a relationship, which again, I guess, is a competitive advantage. Absolutely. And it's thinking long term because if you're, for example, a travel booking website, there's how many 
like Google is doing it if you're searching for a flight from London to Lisbon or whatever like this. There's so many software interfaces and how do you differentiate amongst them? But with people and with their health, ultimately it's about building trust, inspiring confidence, providing reassurance. And all of these things require like touch points, require investment in relationships and it requires people. So all these things are investments in that relationship over time. And then absolutely that becomes like your advantage essentially. Well, that was great, Alok. It's really, really interesting. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. That's all for this episode of the Rethinking Business podcast from NatWest. My thanks again to Dr. Alok Shukla, the founder of Straight Teeth Direct. To discover more about the topics we've discussed today, business insights, local events, and stories from businesses facing the same challenges as you, search NatWest Business Hub or go to natwestbusinesshub.com. I'll be back in a week's time with our next episode, so make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already. But until then, from me, Piers Linney, thanks for listening.